There's a lot I have to say regarding giftedness and the things in my life that are directly or indirectly related to which, in my view, in my view, in my view, in my view, is everything. Hello, everybody. I'm Vanessa Wood, and this is the International Gifted Consortium's first episode. We're super excited to try something new, try something out of the box for us. So we've been examining the highly profoundly gifted through the historical research and longitudinal studies. We've been talking and meeting with parents, teachers, school administrators, psychologists, pediatricians, and policymakers. And the IGC has been providing professional development specific to the characteristics, the behaviors, and the development typical of this population. So now we're opening the IGC archives and through first-person stories, we are connecting the research to the voices. The voices of our highly profoundly gifted children, adolescents, young adults, families, and beyond. And the teachers, school administrators, and practitioners who work tirelessly to fulfill their unique educational and developmental needs. So today, it is our pleasure to begin this series with Jared, a philosophy major at Connecticut College who actually inspired this initiative. Jared, welcome. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for joining us all the way from Connecticut. We are so pleased to kick off this series with you. I wanted to start by talking about how in our previous conversations, you beautifully express giftedness as all-encompassing, relating to everything in your life. So Jared, how did you come to realize this, that giftedness was directly or as you say, indirectly related to everything in your life? Um, so yeah, that, there was no question at all that it's um, all encompassing, that it, it's related to everything in my life. I, I, th- I recognized that pretty quickly after I was... Um, identified as exceptionally gifted, which was, um, I think it was about eight months ago or something like that. So, um, to answer your question, um, this might be a bit of a long-winded one, but, (laughs) um, simply put, I, I just, I see everything in my life as, uh, a manifestation of giftedness. Um, in other words, everything that I do, I do because of my cognitive, uh, makeup. Um, for example, all my, my interests, whether they be intellectual, uh, such as metaphysics, whether they be practical, such as um, investing, or whether they be, say, uh, creative, such as percussion or art or something like that, um, all these things are the result, I think, of my obsession with um, personal meaning and, and personal growth. I mean, that, that's that's what I strive for, basically, all the time. So giftedness and um, I, I, specifically intellectual overexcitability is the reason, for example, that, that not long ago I was studying a paper entitled 
an introduction to quantum metamechanics, and it's why I'm interested in a theory called Cognitive Theoretic Model of the Universe. I mean, I, I study these things for pleasure. I do it all the time. And I'm by far happiest. The, I'm, I'm by far the happiest when I'm, when I'm alone, studying something that's extremely, say, abstract and complex. I mean, that, that's what I like to do. <laughs> um, and not only do I feel satisfaction and happiness from studying and thinking and writing in isolation, but I, I also feel great pride from knowing that, that I'm doing this, that what I'm doing is, is uh, it's an expression of independence. And, and what I'm doing is um, I'm exercising my, own, my special mental abilities, and I, lo I love doing that. Um, and I, I'm extremely happy and proud that I'm, I'm neuroatypical, actually. I, 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 I do certainly feel that I was given uh, a gift, an intellectual gift, but I have no interest at all in, in say, boasting about it. I, I, I want to put the gift to good use. Um, but of course, at times I also feel miserable. So I, I feel at times that I that I wasn't given a gift, that I was given almost like a curse, something like that. But I'm sure we'll we'll get into that later. Um, so I, basically, I, I just all the time what I'm trying to do is just find something that's um, meaningful to me, and the constant pursuit to find and create um, meaning is what I do every single day. So everything that I invest time and energy into is basically an attempt to find and create personal meaning. And if I like what I find, I'll I'll integrate it or include it into my life so that it it occupies an, a, 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 an integral position of the self and so that I can uh, derive meaning from it, not just not just from it, but um, from from its relationship to the other parts of the self that I've previously integrated. So uh, obviously any kind of meaning creation uh, like this involves significant cognitive effort and in my case I spend a very considerable amount of time pondering what exactly will bring um, significant meaning to my life and then of course I when I identify those things I, I pursue them with extreme I'd say commitment and concentration because I, I want to feel satisfaction just like everyone else and, and this is how I get it so basically this is the way it I, I, I think this is the way it, it, it might be best understood. Um, the things that I choose to pursue, say, whether they be hobbies, uh, internships, even, even friendships or anything like that, and the concentration and dedication involved in choosing those things are the result of, I would say, my intensity. And the meaning I assign to each thing, I would say, is a result of high cognitive ability because that meaning, it, it has to be constructed. And I, I've got to do it. That's my job. And in my experience, this process of constructing meaning has always involved uh, a great deal of abstraction. Uh, what, what's also interesting about the personal meaning that I that I just described is that it it sometimes causes tension between myself and my and my non-gifted peers who who might view what I do as wrong or just say weird. Uh, and I'm well aware of this. And I I, um, I actually. It's kind of odd. I, I, I like that they think it's weird or wrong because I, I have confidence that I'll be able to succeed in my own unique way. And that's that's what I'm trying to do. And according to my own standards. So no one can tell me that I haven't succeeded because no one knows what I'm looking for and what success means to me. So I, I love this aspect of, of giftedness personally. Um, and I, I think this is why I'm so individualistic.
Thank you, Jared, for giving us an in-depth view of the interconnected nature of giftedness. You mentioned your intellectual overexcitability, and I want to give our audience a bit of an understanding. So overexcitability is the greater than typical response to internal and or external stimuli. Other forms of overexcitability include sensual, physical, imaginational, and emotional. And strong intellectual overexcitability that we're speaking of often combines with imaginational overexcitability. And we especially see this when extreme complexity or abstract concepts are involved. Physical and sensual overexcitabilities actually intensify or enhance the experience. And when multiple overexcitabilities are at play, emotional overexcitability is the strongest. Intensity, as you identified, is a differentiating barometer. So it is important for us to keep in mind that overexcitabilities are greater than typical responses. And to put it in perspective, we can look at overexcitabilities or rather excitabilities on a continuum of natural human response with overexcitabilities falling on the far right of the continuum. So Jared, next, I'm hoping you can take us through an expression of your individualism or your pursuit of a passion. So um, an example of this willingness and even this preference to act unconventionally is my interest in Berkshire Hathaway, which is a conglomerate holding company built by investor Warren Buffett. Um, I, I don't want to lecture about personal finance or anything like that, but <laughs> um, I'll just explain this. I have invested virtually all the money I've come across in my life into this security, and I've basically sworn to myself that I'll do so for the remainder of my life. Now, any person well-versed in economics or personal finance would balk at this plan. They would just they would just think it's crazy because it defies the generally accepted notion that uh, a well-balanced and, and safe investment portfolio must contain lots of stocks and not just one so that it's not the success of the portfolio is dependent is, is not dependent on just one particular industry uh, but because this investment has has grown to become so extraordinarily meaningful to me over the course of the three or four years that I've spent studying it I'm willing to do this and I spend no time at all considering what somebody else might think of my plan in fact I, I actually derive quite a bit of comfort from the fact that I'm doing exactly uh, the opposite of what is recommended. <laughs> and I, I think this is because I have, I have, as I said before, I have confidence um, in, in my own unique abilities and I rely heavily on those abilities to succeed in life. So, so naturally it brings me great pleasure to know that by making this investment, uh, I'm, I'm capitalizing on my own unique talents and acting in an unconventional way with considerable odds of, of succeeding. So also with regards to the Berkshire investment, I've literally gone so far as to pledge to myself that I will not have children so that I can allocate all my future funds to this investment. So obviously virtually everyone, including my family, would call me crazy for not having children simply for the sake of making an investment in a single security, but I, I don't view it that way. I, I'm, 
I'm even willing to go down with a ship. If, if Berkshire fails, I'm happy to fail with it. And <laughs> this is because I, this is due to my, I think my, my advanced and unique understanding of the investment, which is part of the personal meaning that I've created. Um, to give an example of the personal meaning that I've constructed with regards to this investment in Berkshire Hathaway, I, I actually see the fluctuations in Berkshire Hathaway's stock price over time as a reflection of my own journey to self-actualization in life, uh, or as a reflection of my own triumphs and failures. So how could I not invest in it? It's not, it's not just, some, it's, it's so meaningful to me. Uh, it's not just an investment like, uh, like, uh, I mean, that's, I, I think that's how other people would regard it, but, but that's not at all what it is to me. Um, so I, I, li I literally think about this constantly, this, this investment, but this is just one of the examples. I mean, there's a lot of things that I'm passionate about. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I'm just so passionate about this investment. I, I, I wish I could invest my organ into the stock if I could. <laughs> That's how passionate and loyal I am. Um, and I, I would say that this level of passion and loyalty is, is common among highly to profoundly gifted people. So, so that, that's, that's my answer. It's just, it has to do with personal meaning, um, seeking out personal meaning, constructing it. And, ref and of course, there's a considerable amount of cognitive uh, effort required in that, but I, I, I think people like me take pleasure in doing that, so um, that's what I would say. I so appreciate you sharing the all-encompassing, intense nature of giftedness. As you are aware, many unfamiliar with giftedness view giftedness as being very academic. Many think of the perfect student who follows directions and gets all A's. We know that is often not the case. Giftedness, as you know, embodies the interconnection of one's social, emotional, physical, cognitive, and altruistic development. So, Jared, how was your intellectual overexcitability manifested in school? What was school like for you? My experience in school, especially during my junior and senior years of high school, was um, terribly frustrating and painful uh, because I was, I was generally regarded by my classmates as someone who lacked intelligence. And I, I wasn't able to express or prove to others in terms that were familiar to them that I was, in fact, uh, intelligent and able. Uh, I, I would say to the neurotypical student, strong academic performance, such as high test scores, is the best indication of, of a person's intelligence. But I, I just couldn't outperform other students on exams or any other formal school assignments. So naturally, I was not admired at all in school for my intellectual ability and this brought me I would say uh, a, a lot of frustration and pain uh, I was called stupid or an idiot countless times in school and I just never shined in the classroom um, I also performed rather poorly on the ACT and only well but certainly not exceptionally well on the SAT and I just couldn't explain why um, I did I did feel that I was significantly more intelligent than my peers yet they outperformed me on all exams, uh, papers, etc. Uh, but I, I, I just continued to march forward, basically, despite this. I, I, I had a lot of faith in myself, um, now that I'm looking back on it. Um, 
I, I later found out during my senior year in high school that I had ADHD. Uh, my mom's a nurse practitioner and I examined some of the ADHD rating scales and it was confirmed. So that moment brought a lot of clarity to my life, I would say, and I immediately learned a great deal about ADHD by reading about it. And I, I continue to learn about it to this day. So my experience in college has been far better than my experience in high school, I would say, but uh, still unpleasant, certainly in a lot of ways. During my first year in college, I essentially convinced myself that I was having a very good time and enjoying myself, but, but during the first semester of my sophomore year, uh, I imploded, basically, because I was not adequately challenged and my talents and philosophy were not being recognized uh, by my professors as they had been the previous year. So during my, during my first year at Connecticut College, one of my philosophy professors actually seemed to recognize my high ability and he rewarded, re uh, rewarded me for it through exceptional grades and that, that felt deeply gratifying to me because I, I, as I just explained, nothing like that had ever happened to me before. Um, so I, I, at this point, I, I finally felt as though I was capitalizing, at least to some degree, on my own cognitive abilities uh, in an academic setting. And to this day, I continue to take as many courses as I can with this professor, because I, I, I have confidence that I won't implode. Um, and I, I think this is because I'm able to at least partly express and use my intellectual overexcitability to write papers uh, in this professor's courses. So that's what I appreciate about him. He, he really is remarkable in a lot of ways. He offers me some freedom to ponder and write about topics that genuinely uh, interest and excite me. Although I, I will admit still not nearly as much freedom as I would like. He's, he still insists that the papers I write must in some way relate to the course content and I, I don't like that, but I, I do it because I have to. Uh, and of course, I understand why that must be done. It's it's just the way it is. Um, I I just when when I write papers, I, I just especially philosophy papers, I just want every single word of the papers to be. Uh, I, I want every single word of the paper to be completely original to me. And and so responding to another philosopher's argument or summarizing a claim of theirs just it doesn't seem it doesn't strike me as being original, and 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 therefore it doesn't appeal to me. So I don't like to do that. Um, but, but still, even in this professor's classes, I suffer from boredom and disengagement from the class content. Uh, I, I just much prefer to entertain my own thoughts, basically. Um, last year in school, for example, I was extremely distracted from my classes because I was often in my own world, recording my thoughts in my student planner. Uh, sometimes I would choose one of these ideas that I was thinking about and write several pages about it just to sort of exercise my intellectual creativity and, and this brought me a great deal of satisfaction and I always took great pride in doing it. Um, and I also always, I keep these thoughts of mine when I elaborate on them in writing. So this is how my intellectual overexcitability manifests itself in school. Um, I think that because the content of my classes is not sufficiently challenging to me, I tend not to engage with it very much, and instead I, I pursue sort of my own curriculum, if you will, outside of school. And this is always done independently. I, I never ever share any of this stuff with my friends or family. So I, I would say there's an evident balance I'm trying to maintain in school. I, I, on the one hand, I have uh, a, a sort of innate urge to satisfy my intellectual overexcitability, and I do this by thinking and analyzing as much as I can as well as writing and reading independently, uh, almost always on topics completely unrelated to my courses. Um, 
but on the other hand, as a student, and this is obvious, I'm required to complete the assignments given to me and maintain satisfactory grades. Now, obviously, I, I would love to abandon my school assignments entirely and just focus on what I feel is worthwhile to me, which are my independent intellectual pursuits, but I can't do that, um, unfortunately. Uh, I, I would say, without doubt, this, this necessity of mine to satisfy my own intellectual needs by challenging myself outside of school indicates that my college is not serving my needs. Uh, I, I think if, I, if my intellectual needs were met in school, I would not devote so much time to these independent intellectual pursuits, and I certainly would not be so against completing the assignments that are given to me. Um, I, I think this is a failure most likely on the part of education, and I, I sincerely hope that it's soon redressed because I'm not the only student struggling. Thank you, Jared. I agree. There is so much more we can be doing to better support our gifted and highly profoundly gifted students. Understanding is an essential first step to identification and fulfillment. Thank you so much for sharing yourself and for providing us with a humanistic view. We still have so much more to discuss, and I especially look forward to exploring the similarities and differences of psychomotor overexcitability and ADHD with you. We'll do this very soon in an upcoming episode. So a big thank you to all of our listeners. Room with a View is produced by the International Gifted Consortium Education Outreach Initiative for you and by you. Join us on social media, giftedconsortium.org, or connect with me on LinkedIn. Until next time, enjoy the view.